Hello and welcome to the Women's Agenda podcast. My name is Angela Priestley and I will shortly be joined by Shivani Gopal, the founder of The Remarkable Woman. On the agenda this week, it is International Women's Day and we'll discuss the Break the Bias theme, what it means and why even the most cynical of people, and that would be me, can find something in these IWD themes. We'll also discuss women taking up arms in Ukraine, Jane Carrow's run for politics, how to have courage at work and much more. Thank you for listening. Hi, Shivani. How are you? It has been so long. It has been such a long time, Angela. Great to be back. Great to be chatting with you. I know. And I was just thinking that um, because it is almost International Women's Day and I have this, like, throwback to two years ago when I went to your event and it was a very different world although we did kind of feel that the COVID thing was happening and I think we're making jokes about toilet paper and stuff like that and we got to record in person a nice International Women's Day podcast at your amazing event that you held which was probably one of the last big events that I went to. I haven't been to many events since and I know you've got a big one coming up next week. We do. And what an era that was, Angela. That was that was the time. Yeah, we were all making great fun of the toilet paper, um, hoarding and, and, you know, pasta hoarding and all that stuff, thinking it was just so unnecessary. Of course, it always was. But it was the eve, wasn't it? It was the last big event that we were able to do before everything just shut right down just weeks later. Things moved so fast. And yes, everything since then has been virtual. And now we're moving back into the real world. Um, Funnily enough, our team has just taken up an office as well. So we're slowly encroaching out. I'm thinking of us as little crabs coming out from underneath the rocks and just seeing if it's safe to, to move out. And yes, the event, we've got International Women's Day coming up. On the 9th of March is when we're celebrating it um, at the Ivy Wall Room and uh, we've got a full house. So it seems people are just desperate to to get out and, and meet, you know, real humans in the flesh. So we, as you know, like to start with a win. What is your win this week? My win this week, which was which was announced, you know, recently, not not so much this week, but but just last week, was um, Jane Caro running for Senate and, and announcing that she's going to be throwing a hat in, you know, um, for the um, for New South Wales, and um, and it's incredible because of course she's running for all the right things in in the and the kind of policies that are that should be front and centre of mind right now. There's a lot of talk at the moment about the importance of um, of strong policy and not politics. Um, and not the politics of just wanting to, um, you know, to, to stay in power for a long time. And, you know, Jane Carro's platform, you know, from the Reason Party, you know, to, to be talking about climate change action, equal opportunity for all, you know, especially women, improving public education, health funding, you know, these are all really, really important policies that need to be completely unpacked, re-looked at um, and, and done in a way that is equitable. So um, it is a huge win, I think, for all of us. Yeah, it is. I, I love that idea of like, you know what, like that kind of sense of being just fed up. It's like, I'm fed up. I, I'm like, I'm done. I want to get in there and, and participate in this uh, decision-making process because we can make, have opinions as much as we do from the sidelines. And it does matter that we do have those opinions and that we share them, but it is so much better to be engaged and actually in the process and supporting those people in the process. And if we can't get the politicians to make the changes that we need, then we need to be the politicians. So well done to Jane Carr. I hope she is successful and I hope she gets plenty of backing and support because as we see, having those um, independents or smaller parties in this game can, can make quite a difference. So thank you for that win. I will share a win as well. I mean, 
Russia-Ukraine, obviously that is uh, continues to be uh, the, the big story of the week, among other things that are occurring this week locally here. But Russia-Ukraine, I mean, I know that I'm trying to keep up as much as I can. It's a very, uh, it's, it's a very dangerous situation for the world right now, but obviously a particularly dangerous time for, for people in Ukraine and also those in Russia as well. We did speak a bit about Russia in the last um, episode, noting some of the rights for women that have been eroded under Putin and particularly in the past few years and just things that we really should be keeping on the, gen the agenda and thinking about women there, thinking about those protesting in Russia as well. We've seen some pretty incredible, courageous footage and things happening this week around that. Um, but I, I want to talk for a moment about, um, we, we've all seen the Ukrainian uh, president uh, Zelensky, you would have seen his social media. He's a former actor. He's obviously incredible with his media and his social media, and he's doing an amazing job with the communication. I think reminding us all about how essential communication is um, for, for leadership, and he's definitely stepped up to that mark. But I want to talk about Ukraine's first lady, Alina Zelenska. So that would be Zelensky's wife, um, who, and she is pretty incredible and she has a huge following herself across social media. She is excellent with the communication as well. And she is putting out some really remarkable statements about women of Ukraine. So first of all, we've published a few things this week looking at where women are taking up arms. So courageous. I mean, got to think about these women who uh, they've, they've come from their from teaching, they're from uh, law, they're from uh, childcare centres, and they're coming in, they're, instead of going about their usual day of work, they've stepped into uh, taking up arms and learning how to use weapons for the first time ever. We Obviously, we're also seeing the large movement of women. Men do have to remain in Ukraine at the moment, so women are moving. I think it's like a million or so have crossed borders at the last count that might not be women but women the elderly and children have crossed borders taking I just can't even imagine how heartbreaking that would be to leave your father your partner your son or whoever it is who has to stay behind she uh put out some statements this week noting that before the war that she had written that there are two million more women in Ukraine than men that's I didn't know that and she spoke, yeah that that's not typically happening she spoke about how that's taking on a, a new meaning because it means that this resistance does have a female face. And yeah. she spoke about these incredible compatriots and said, you know, to those who fight, who are healing, saving, feeding, who are continue about their usual work in pharmacy, shops, transport, utilities, we've got to remember life, like some semblance of life has to continue. Um, those who are taking children to shelters without panic and entertaining them with games, cartoons. I mean, imagine these kids um, dealing with this and, and those who are looking after them and trying to keep something normal and something uh, consistent in their, their, their lives at the moment. She, she writes about those who are giving birth in bomb storage and bomb shelters and noting that she wrote this on the first day of spring there. Remember how we all celebrated each other on this day before the war. So the sun is visible through the smoke of shelling. Everything will be spring. Everything will be victory. Everything will be Ukraine. Just a beautiful call to action. Go and find her across social media, wherever she is currently able to share her message. I believe she is still in Ukraine with her two kids. I'd say she, she would be yes. away from her. Her husband is obviously still there as well and gave that speech last weekend saying that he doesn't need a ride. He, he needs support. The family has been offered the opportunity to leave. They're obviously very, very dangerous at the moment. That is my win. It's, 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 it's an interesting win, isn't it? Because it's, it's a win amongst um, you know, this this massive, you know, um, 
you know, humanitarian, you know, crisis that, that is happening because of this highly unnecessary war um, that is raging. But it's it's really bringing the metaphor to the forefront as well, isn't it, Angela? Because, you know, women are the face of so much resistance and so much resilience and, and you know, carrying on and, and being strong and creating norms for all, all of, you know, for ourselves, for others, for our children, for our friends, for our family, um, you know, just in the many, you know, discrimination, many biases that we experience. And yet here you have full frontal war that is that is occurring and women are the face of that resistance, as, as you've just said, as, as you know, so eloquently from the First Lady of Ukraine. Um, and, and it just brings to the forefront the strength of women and the capabilities that we have. Absolutely, yes. Moving on to the topics for this week. So we have, it is International Women's Day in a couple of days' time and we did want to touch on the theme, one of the theme, often there are a couple of different themes that come up around International Women's Day. The theme is breaking bias. Now, I don't love International Women's Day themes, possibly because I don't always feel like they mean much. And that's another example. Like, eh. um, Previously, we've had press for progress. I can't remember last year's, I'm sure you. It's a challenge was last year. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about that theme. Let's talk about what it means to break bias. Can I ask you, Shivani, what does that, what stirs up for you from that theme? You know, to me, when, when I think of break the bias, I, I just think of, you know, all the experiences that I've, um, I've experienced personally when it comes to bias growing up, um, you know, and, um, and also then, you know, moving into corporate Australia and all the very many biases that I've experienced being, you know, a woman and then being a woman of colour. Um, and, and, and so when I, when I think about that statement, I just think, gee, we've been living with biases each and every day. And the more that we talk about biases, the more aware we are of it. But I think what we need to be so careful of, Angela, is that we're talking about biases to the right people because you and I totally get biases. I mean, biases are very natural, by the way. I think one of the things we need to do is really unpack what a bias is. And a bias is just a, a prejudice that happens unconsciously for us. Um, and it happens because we're trying to keep ourselves safe, right? We're trying to protect our mind space. There's only so much our mind can handle. We're processing really important things for ourselves and our priorities. And so to make life easy for us, we are making judgment calls every day. Those judgment calls become prejudices or they become biases um, so that you can make shortcuts in your decision-making process. But that means that some of those shortcuts are very misinformed. Um, and, and, and a lot of those misinformations are these biases that end up being held against women, you know, that, um, that women aren't, um, you know, and, and certainly when I say these biases, I just want to make it really clear that I don't have these biases, but I'm calling out the biases for what they are. Um, and, you know, the, the biases that are held against women, you know, often are that, you know, women aren't going to work um, as hard or as long um, in the workforce as men because, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, want to go off and have children. And great, if we want to go off and have children, then, then, then good for us. But that certainly doesn't have um, you know, it's our decision to, you know, and as an individual to figure out how how much or how hard we work, um, you know, that women are bad at money, that women are bad drivers, you know, these are all many biases um, that are out there, that women don't have strong opinions or can't articulate themselves. Um, these are, uh, you know, yet many other biases that, that I've experienced, um, or that I might be, um, you know, a, a really 
you know, um, a demure conservative person because I come from a, you know, an engine background. So there's just so many biases that, that, that we come up against that really limit our opportunity to play equally. Um, and, um, and, and so it, it makes me think of that. It makes me think of, of, of all those experiences, but it makes me think, you know, gee, we've, we've got to really normalise the other side of the bias. We've got to be doing it outside the echo chamber. Mm, that's, I, I feel like you've just given me so much, um, like faith in these themes now, because I, as you can hear, I, I get very cynical about them, but you've kind of spelled it out for me. It's like, you, we, you can feel bias, you can live bias. And also if you work in this space, we, we understand like the stats around it as well. And sometimes we can forget that, but, and also when I even think about International Women's Day, we always press on that whole thing that every day should be International Women's Day. We, we can't just reserve it for one day a year. And we find particularly on Women's Agenda being a news publication is that we get all these pitches and PR companies coming to us and organisations as well in the lead up to International Women's Day. Hey, you should profile this woman or, you know, when for your International Women's Day coverage, you should do this feature and look at this and look at these amazing things that this business is doing and these people are doing. It's it's And you get so many launches and things Things. And I always kind of go back to the same thing. It's like we, as a publication, we cover this stuff every day, all year round. If anything, you know, things that we do cover on International Women's Day will likely be lost because there's so much more going on there. So like, first of all, it takes me back to the theme. It's like, that's the point of International Women's Day is because people won't think about these issues every day of the year. Unfortunately, uh -huh. they should, but they won't. But this day is at least a chance to make sure that we have one point where we can spotlight them and hopefully really push for people to think about it every day for the rest of the year. And then when I think about the theme, it, it seems so simplistic, but again, it gets people thinking about that theme. And I know I've been on a couple of panels this week um, for International Women's Day and uh, both have had a man in them. And you could tell that in both um, scenarios that the, 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 the man on these panels had really taken some time and consideration to go and think about that theme and to go and do some research and get an understanding of it and then share some things about that theme. And that, you know. and the impact of that, right? So he really thinks about it and then inspects it in his own life and goes, hey, you know what, I think I might actually have a bias. I, I was actually talking to someone um, you know, quite recently, and we were talking about, you know, the gender pay gap, we were talking about all the different biases. And I said, you know, have you ever heard about the male breadwinner bias? And I explained what it is. And you know, in, in a nutshell, it is that people tend to assume that men have higher levels of responsibility, that they are the breadwinners. Um, and so therefore, to secure that person, you need to offer a really strong, really competitive salary. Mm -hmm. um, and so because because they are breadwinners, because they have other responsibilities, um, which is crazy, because we, we live in an equal world, and women also have the exact same responsibilities um, and and whether we do or don't it's you know equal pay for equal work right um, but because of this bias you know men end up getting paid more and we're talking about it and he you know completely agreed with me said oh you know that's just so ridiculous and we, we have so many conversations around it and then he came back to me a couple of days later and said you know I thought a little bit deeply on it and I started to think about my own hiring practices and the way that I'm paying salaries and you're right I've got two people and and I I consider myself to be someone who, who you know, is an, you know, who treats women and men completely equally. I'm, you know, I've, I've got daughters. I'm all about, um, you know, all about making sure that women are, are empowered and, and are paid their worth. But I've just gone back and I've looked at my hiring practice and I've gone back and I've had a look at who's who's earning what. And I actually did offer um, this one guy a higher salary than, than, than the female without even thinking about it. I just thought that was a competitive offer for him. Um, and, and, there, and there it is. That's how it happens. And so, 
that's why it's so important that we talk about it because, you know, you might consider yourself to be, you know, a good person and, and you are a good person, right? And that's why it's so important that we talk about bias as a very natural thing, a very prejudiced, judgmental thing that happens to make life easy for us, right? It's why when we meet people, um, you know, we will very often say, oh, hey, um, you know, how old are you? Where, where, did, where do you live? Where did you go to school? Now, now, sure, some of this stuff is kind of judgmental kind of questions, but some of the stuff is I just want to get to know you. But why are you trying to get to know them? So that you can box in your mind how to place this person in your perception of the world. So that makes it easy for them to, for you to understand them. That's how biases are formed. Um, and, and that's how it plays out. So you could still be a very incredible, you know, loyal, um, you know, values oriented person, but still have biases against women. Accidentally, that is playing out in your life and therefore you're perpetuating it. So, you know, going back to your point, Angela, about, you know, this speaker and, and them, you know, thinking about it, you know, um, so deeply means that they're going off and having those conversations with people in their team as well mm-hmm. in their ecosystem. That male breadwinner, bite, that is so fascinating because that there is, if you look at the stats of a man who, how their salary goes after they have a baby, it goes upwards. If you look at a woman, how her salary goes after having a baby, it goes down. Like there's this, the gap gets wider. So that, that bias automatically contributes to that gender pay gap just there. And I, I'm i about to write on this this morning. So I, I'm just pulling up something now, but there is a new rate, some research that just came in the last couple of days. And I feel like, I mean, this is a, taking a very global look at it, but I feel like this shows why, I guess, why the, the bias has to be broken. And because when the bias is there, it gets perpetuated, it gets uh, multiplied in many ways when there is a great threat as we had with, with COVID. And so this data was so it was just published in the lancet by the institute for health metrics and evaluation at the university of washington and it basically showed how covid19 had the dire consequences for progress that had been made on gender equality just from covid and it goes back to that whole idea we can't just sit here expecting the small incremental gains to lead us somewhere where uh the gaps these gender gaps close in australia and internationally we can't do that we have to break something along the way because what happens is an event like covid 19 happens a pandemic happens a war happens climate change happens many many things which will automatically take all those gains made backwards because ultimately the biases still exist throughout all of us. They get accentuated during times of crisis. So I felt that this research was just such a good reminder of that. Globally, 26% of women reported the loss of work compared to 20% of men. Um, Mm -hmm. That was at September 2021. And women and girls were significantly more likely to drop out of school and more likely to um, have reported an increase in gender-based violence than men and boys. Because they're trapped, right? And, and and you can't get out. And and this is why we go back to, and, you know, I, I talk about this time and time again, you know, through, through the work I do with The Remarkable Woman, it's, you know, we need to make sure that women are, are earning their worth. Uh, we need to make sure that women are very confident and capable of managing their own money. So we need to have, you know, money conversation and normalise that and remove the bias around, oh, you know, to talk about money is shameful embarrassing you know um unclassy of you to to talk about money you know we've got to so that you can learn about money because the more financially independent you are the more likely you are able to leave these unsafe and unhappy relationships Mm -hmm. um and and you know that's just so important and actually you know to your point you know this wasn't in the same study as, as the one that you're referring to i think this was an ey study that was done last year but you know they were talking about the fact that you know even the women who did go back to work they didn't get the same kind of hours that um you know that they did so they were still 
still a massive issue of underemployment, right? And that underemployment is also impacting your, your financial freedoms. So on the theme, there are different themes across International Women's Day. So there is a UN Women theme, which is um, changing climates, I believe. And I'm going to a UN Women event today, so I will learn more about that. But I wrote a piece this week and I it's kind of a plea to everyone around International Women's Day to think about think about that research that I just shared from The Lancet that showed the impact of pandemics on progress made for, for gender equality, but to think about the impact of climate change on progress for gender equality because climate change will derail every bit of progress made there. And so we must bring it into our conversations around International Women's Day. We must bring it into every conversation around gender equality. And that's, you know, particularly for women and girls internationally, especially girls who have already lost out on education opportunities due to climate-related events and girls who have already been into pushed into um, child marriage because of drought or flood or whatever situation has impacted their family who cannot get enough food to eat and see that as their only option and has already impacted women and girls um, globally uh, due to an increase in gender-based violence. Um, things like if if all of a sudden it's further, you have to work, walk further to get water or to um, get food, then all of a sudden you are at more danger of facing violence during that period. So all these things we have to keep in mind globally and locally. I, I just want to keep reiterating that over and over again, that we can't be talking uh, we can't be talking about gender equality without talking about climate change. Same as we can't be talking about climate change without thinking about gender equality as well. And unfortunately, we don't have enough women involved in the decision-making there. So that's why you know, getting people like Jane Carey involved, more independence um, in our legislative process here in Australia. But if you go back to COP26, it was something like 10 of the 160 uh, heads of state who were there were female, just, just 10. And if you look at the photos, you see it, you just see it. It's just yeah. a sea of men making these massive decisions about the future of the planet at this critical point and a future that is ultimately going to significantly impact women and girls, here we are, and I just think, you know, COP26, and this point was made by Lucy Piper from Work for Climate during an event I was at yesterday, that was COP26. So it's taken them 26 attempts and they still, they, you know, they reached some kind of an agreement, but we still need to go back to COP27 later this year where hopefully we can get much stronger agreement and much stronger targets on achieving emissions reductions. So clearly the process isn't going particularly well, we need more women there. We need more, and we need more um, Indigenous people there. We need a greater mix of diversity there to make sure that those impacted by climate change decisions, and we can make sure that we can see climate change and mitigating climate change as an opportunity, which it can be, which can actually help to solve even more of these gaps if we can make the right decisions and if we can get the rhetoric right as well. So much yes to that. Um, and the only thing I'd add is, you know, if not now, then when, right? You know, we're, we're currently going through the kind of floods that is, that's supposed to be a once in a 100 year event, yet we seem to have, you know, once in 100 year climate events happen in the last, three of them happen in the last decade. Um, you know, so if not now, then when, you know, the it, it is an absolute imperative that we do something about this. So, so much yes to what you just said, but it's, it's the, the, the timeliness of it. You, it, you, it's 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 absolutely impossible to ignore. Yeah. If not now, I hate to say it, but never. If not now, never. If not now, we fail. If not now, this yeah. is, this is it. If not okay. now, so, we fail. I think yeah. what you said, Angela, that just gave me goosebumps. It's it's so true. 
we we have to get this this is the critical time this is the critical decade it has to happen or we will pass a tipping point of no return and we have to get this right I can't I, it just it feels like I just don't see the point of having the other conversations if we if we can't get this right because there is no future for our children there is no future for our grandchildren uh, we will just see escalating conflicts we will see um, more uh, a rise in the number of uh, serious weather events and of course their severity like we're seeing with the floods yeah. in Australia right now and thankfully at least we can say that previously when there'd be these big natural disasters we were not allowed to kind of mention climate change during the actual process it had to be kind of months and months later when we'd sort of assess the situation it feels like now at least we've gotten to the point where we can talk about it you, you, people are writing pieces about it opinion pieces politicians are being asked about it and not entirely like shutting down the question saying it's not appropriate to say that so if not now, then never. Yeah. Shivani, because you're always so awesome with the career advice and tips, and I know we've only got like a couple of minutes left because you'll have to jump off and I'll have to jump off, but we've spoken about courage in this, and I spoke about that um, particularly uh, in Ukraine. Uh, I feel like you spoke about it when we mentioned Jane Carroll's what it takes courage to put yourself up and stand for something in the way that she is. I want to ask you if you have like one little tip about how to have courage at work in your everyday life, in whatever it is that you might be doing today? Yeah, I, I think courage is so important. And, and I just want to quickly define courage. You are going to feel fear, but you're going to do it anyway. If, if any of you are feeling so, oh, I can't be courageous because I feel so nervous about it, I get funny about it, I get anxious about it, or I get fearful about it, um, and therefore you can't practice courage, please know that you will fear that you'll feel, but you'll move through it. The only way, the only way out is through. And whenever I do anything courageous, I feel fear so keenly, um, but I still move through. So I want to share that with you first, um, just in case, you know, that helps you make this advice more relevant. And the courageous advice in the workplace um, tip, I guess I would share is um, don't ever be afraid to represent yourself appropriately. You are the best director and producer of your own life. And I remember when I first thought about that, that was a rather novel term to me. Oh, you mean I can create the outcomes that I want for me? I can produce them? Yes, you can. And how do you do that in your workplace, especially if you're an employee? Well, remember that no matter what your job title, you are a leader, right? You don't need to have a manager or a leader job title to be a leader. You are a leader of yourself. Self-leadership is so important. Self-representation is so important. So for that reason, if you feel, you know what, the current workplace environment that I'm in, the way that my manager communicates with me, it's just not working for me. And so therefore I'm doing a, a job that I don't feel is, you know, really, you know, um, up to the way that I want to do things. Be courageous enough to go and communicate that. You know, so for example, you know, you might have a, a leader who's giving you lots of verbal briefs and that really works for them, you know, but at the same time, you're a really visual person and you need that written down. And as a result, the way that you're interpreting this, you know, and that you're coming out and the work that you're giving out just isn't at the standard. Be the leader for yourself that you need to be. No one else is going to do that for you. You must do that for you. So you've got to go back and say, hey, um, I'm so glad that your verbal brief really worked for you. But what I really want to do is I want to make sure that I give back the kind of work that you're after. And so therefore, I need a little bit of, I need to read and digest it and have the ability to go back as well. So could you, for my sake and for the sake of, you know, this work that's so important, get something to me that, that's written and therefore I can make sure that I'm, I'm representing 
appropriately. So, you know, be courageous and ask for what you need. Your standards of work will increase. And when you do stuff that you feel really good about, your confidence increases as well. And it's this beautiful, positive cycle that just keeps processing and keep fulfilling. So that's my courageous tip for the day. It's a good tip. You always come with a good tip. So thank you. Thank you. We are at time. Thank you so much for joining me. All the best with your event next week. And congratulations on the award that you won yesterday. Thank you. Thank you. Wednesday. Was- Tell us what it is. I'm absolutely thrilled. It was the um, Excellence in Women's Leadership um, Award from um, the uh, Women's Leadership Australia Award. So, um, yeah, really, really thrilled. And I'm accepting the award at the Sydney Symposium in September. Um, so it's it's just a, a very humbling and, and privileged opportunity. I'm going to come. All right. <laughs> I will be there. My day, Angela. I will be there. All right. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day. Chat next week. Thank you for listening to the Women's Agenda podcast. You can find everything we discussed and much more over at womensagenda.com.au. Please go and check out Shivani's The Remarkable Woman. It's a member platform, a mentoring movement, and it's absolutely brilliant. You can find that online as well. Thank you for listening.